Good morning, everybody. It's cold outside. We got lucky, didn't we? Last few weeks of uh, October, early November, it was like, wow, this is crazy. 65, 70? No, it's over. It's over. <laughs> Welcome to winter. Um, we're in a little mini series here called Best Prayer Ever. A reminder that this book is not a book for you to worship. That would be bibliolatry. You're not supposed to do that. Even Jesus spoke direct words to religious scholars who knew way more than we do about this book. And he said to them, you know that thing backwards and forwards, but you don't know what it's about. Wow. He said, because it's about me. This book this story, and it is a story, it is a unified story, new phrase I've, I've heard from a, a couple of guys recently, some podcasts I've been listening to, it's a unified story to lead you to Jesus. So anytime you hear anything from here, you always have to be asking, how does this fit into me getting to Jesus? Me understanding who he is. And so we have jumped into, and I mentioned the last time, and Joe did a phenomenal job last week of we're talking about prayer. And prayer is this a bit of an elusive thing for us. It's supposed to be this amazing connection line. Uh, you're tapping into this eternal source and power and love. And yet most of the time we are fine to just kind of Stay just clear of it on the side. I'm like, oh yeah, I should pray. I should do that. I should talk to him. But imagine this morning, if you had an opportunity, Jesus showed up in the flesh and said, hey, I know they're doing that thing in there, but would you like to come with me to go have a cup of coffee or tea or a muffin? I don't know what Jesus would offer. <laughs> Something that you would be like, yeah, I, I would love that. I would love to sit with you and to talk to you. Do you have things right now in your life that you would talk to him about? I bet you do. I bet you have some questions. I bet you might want to just sit and let him just be him. Just remember, I, don't, I told you guys this summer in my sabbatical, one of the, the image that I had was of Jesus making breakfast by the lake. And I was like, give me that fire. Give me that fire that Jesus made. You don't have to say anything. I just want to sit there. When I close my eyes and I pray and I lean in and I've been doing that daily prayer rhythm, the Lord's prayer is the one in the morning. You focus the themes. And so our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so they prompt you to, to hallow his name because everything else is hallowed in your heart, by the way, usually when you get to prayer, everything else, including yourself. And so you have to kind of tear down and get some things out of the way to say, God, no, your name, your name is holy. And I have this image and it's one I have from my own imagination come up with, but I imagine a throne room and I imagine billions of people and angels. And for some reason, I am always like, if God is sitting on his throne like this, I'm always just to the back and I can see only the corner of his hand and the corner of his robe. And it's this intricate embroidery like heavenly, glittery, and just fabric that you've never seen before on earth. And so when I close my eyes, and I, it's happened so many times this past week, and I say, hallowed be your name, Lord. I want to I wanna be present in your kingdom. I want to imagine it. I see that. 
right there. And I'm like, there it is. There it is. This is to get you to Jesus. Prayer is to get us to Jesus. I've been thinking a lot about getting closer and not the way we think close, but just in understanding and where I'm sensing his presence. And so we've done the morning prayer and I got to tell you, it's early, it's cold. It's, we, we put a, a group, a chair, a group of chairs in a circle and we put a chair in the middle and we reserve that chair for Jesus. And we all sit there and we wake up, we try to get ourselves away. It has become one of the sweetest things. And not that it's super spiritual or something, but I, I would love for you to join us. It's become so sweet, just this place to lean in. And I'm, and I'm doing this daily prayer rhythm. And now it's like, I don't even have to be reminded on my phone or watch. I sense it. It's time. It's time to imagine the robe again. It's time to pray for people that don't know Jesus. We have some sweet families in our church this weekend who dealt with the most horrific thing, losing family members and walking through that grief. And man, this week when I was praying, their names, their friends, those family, those were popping up as I did midday prayer. Something's happening to me. It's changing me. I love God's word. I love leaning in. I do that every morning. But as I've been doing this prayer rhythm, it's changing me. Something is happening. It's easy for us, though, to say, I don't have time to pray. You ever said that? You ever felt that? Me too. And I wonder if it's not that we don't have time, but just that we are distracted. What might make us feel distracted? I'm just going to check the score for a minute. But really, I read in the book I've mentioned a few times by Tyler Staten, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, a recent study, 2016, I don't know if you'd call that recent, but it's only gotten larger. The average iPhone user touches their phone. You ready? 2,617 times a day. And spends two and a half hours over 76 sessions on their screen. That was 2016. 2019, they discovered that it had doubled to over five hours a day. And how many times have we touched it? I'm just gonna put it out of the way because I've already been touching it today. 2,617 times a day, over 76 sessions, two and a half hours, five hours, what is it? Uh, I'm distracted, <laughs> Lord, I'm distracted. When we're scrolling through our phones, what are we looking for? What do we desire? What do we want? Advertising seems to know what we want, don't they? They say things like, you want friendship, peace, rest, joy, laughter, buy this, right? You want to be healthy, fit, Get good sleep, be on time, 
you need an Apple Watch. And we think, I do need an Apple Watch. That will help. You ever have that thing where you get the thing that you think will bring you this thing and you end up only with the thing? (laughs) And it never quite gets there. An example, you may have seen this a few years ago. You probably know this guy. Matthew McConaughey. Boy, he looks so happy right here, doesn't he? Just, and we find out he's ice fishing and he's on this lake and it's in Canada. And you know me, like I watch this stuff and I'm like, where is that? And how can I go there? Just talking with a friend who it's at the Canadian Rockies. It's upper Lake Canascus. If you want to look for an Airbnb or something, but go back one there, Al, let's, let me show this one more time. In order to get to here though, you need that car. <laughs> you need a Lincoln. And Matthew sits in that thing and he's like, and he's ice fishing and he's speaking to all the Minnesotans and Wisconsin people. Yes, yes, I, a Lincoln? Like we kind of get this, but advertising knows this thing about us. You need this thing. You want lasting friendships? Share this drink together. Share this experience. Rent this Verbo, this Airbnb, and you'll get it. But eventually we realize not as advertised, is it? It doesn't work. What do we truly need? Jesus knows what we need. We need God. We need God in the flesh. We need Jesus. We need access. And he says, access comes through talking to me. And how do we talk to him? Prayer. Pray. So, Jesus has just been asked, and Joe took us through this, a part of it last week with our Father um, who art in heaven, Luke 11, the disciples said, hey, teach us then, teach us how to do this. And then he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, and then he goes to this next passage. He's digging deeper. He wants you to know more about access to God, and he wants you to know what God is like when you come to him in prayer. So Luke 11, verse 5, very short parable today. Hopefully we can learn some stuff from Jesus. Here, let's read together. You can follow along on the screen or on your device or on your Bible, whatever you have there. He also said to them, in addition to the question, teach us how to pray. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, hey, I need three loaves of bread. There's, this guy showed up, he, a friend of mine, he, come to me, he came to me on a journey and I don't have anything to offer him. He will answer from the inside. Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. Teach us how to pray, Lord. Okay, let me tell you this story. What is he doing? Where is he going? What is he trying to teach us? So imagine I get up at midnight and I need help. And I go to my friend's house. Sammy! Sammy! Hey! It's Chad. Who? (laughs) It's Chad. I need help. Billy's asleep. Everybody's asleep. All the dogs. I'm asleep. I know I'm talking, but I'm asleep too. I can't help you. 
I can't help you. First of all, would that happen? No. And Jesus wants you to be going like this. No. And the people who are listening, that's what they're doing. They're going, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. So let's just first note the time. And so here is best prayer ever. Jesus is giving us the best prayers ever. He sets the time. Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine showed up at my house and I don't have anything to offer him. So the timing, it's midnight. I hear and think things like this when I think about that timing. It's the middle of the night. It's the middle of the night. What are you doing here? You ever have that when you like, you've ever called somebody, it's late. And you're, I, I know, I'm so sorry. It's the middle of the night. But if you're there in the middle of the night, there's a reason. Or I think this, oh, now you're praying? You waited till now? You waited till midnight. Why didn't you call me at nine? Why did you wait till midnight? There's a lot of little fill in the blanks there about why we wait and why we might be coming that late still. And somebody might even say, hey, isn't it a little late for this? You should know better. So all that stuff, we, we fill it in. And let's just say this. If you're praying at midnight, you're desperate. You're desperate. You've run out of options. You're there late. Notice what he says. Can you lend me three loaves of bread? I have nothing to offer. Now, in the Middle East, three loaves of bread would have been enough for one meal. But here's the problem. In the Middle East, bread is the knife and fork. It's not the food. So what's he asking for? I have nothing to offer. It's kind of that like, hey, um, you got any water? And really, you're, you're going to be asking for more things. But I just, yeah, I just need a little water. And they give you water. And like, I was wondering also, like, if you had any, like, meat <laughs> and bread. And I, actually, I, just, I need everything. I'm so sorry. I need everything. He is saying, I need everything. Can you help me? So let's think about how we normally approach prayer in anything religious, anything about talking to God. We think this, if I'm going to talk to God, kind of mentioned this in the first sermon that I gave, we feel like we've got to get formal. We got to get dressed up. We got to get ready. I want to arrive at church, arrive at the temple back then in my finest clothes with a spotless, look, I have brought a perfect sacrifice. I'm here to ask for forgiveness and I'm here to ask for whatever. That's how we think prayer works. Instead, Jesus says this, when you are in the middle of this anxiety-filled moment, when it's too late, when you literally have nothing to give, nothing to offer, and it's way past thinking about help, you've already blown that and you go anyway and ask, he says, that's prayer. Those are the best prayers. Those are the best prayers. When you're out, it's midnight. You've got nothing left. You're desperate. You shouldn't go, but you go anyway. Your heart is racing. People are asleep. You weave your way through town. Nobody's up. You rehearse in your head what you're going to say. You try to imagine how your friend will respond. It's all too familiar and terrible, yet this is exactly what Jesus wants you to think about and feel when you think about praying about talking to him, access to him. You're out of options. You have to talk to him. So how does the guy inside respond? 
I'm sleeping. The door is locked. So unlock it <laughs> is what you want to say. It's like, and people listening would have known these excuses are ridiculous. My kids are asleep. Even if they wake up, they'll go back to sleep. The door's locked. It's too heavy. I can't lift the bolt. Unlock it. It's supposed to make you feel this way because Jesus is trying to set you up for something. But the answer that God, Jesus, God provides from this parable is kind of a weird and interesting one. Because the answer is given from the inside. I need help. What does the guy say? Simply, no. No, I won't help you. The answer from God, no, I won't help you. How many of us have been praying at midnight thinking God is probably like this? He's probably like this. He wouldn't answer me. I don't deserve for him to be answering me. I've come too late. I've waited too long. I don't have anything to offer. If I did a little bit better in my spiritual walk, then maybe he would answer. So Jesus wants to change that. Okay? He wants to change that. Look at verse 8. Having set this up, this ridiculous thing, and people are right there about to say, this is awful. What are you talking about? Verse 8, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Because of his friends, shameless, I want you to focus on those two words, his shame, well, they're gone, but think about them. His shameless boldness. Are they back? Nope. His shameless boldness. What do you think about when you hear that? What is somebody who's shameless and bold when they're at a door? What are they doing? You can say it. Yes, they're knocking. How, how are they knocking? Loud and, come on, you get out of that bed right now. I don't care if the door's locked. I don't care if your kids are asleep. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Okay, that's how we think when we read shameless, bold. Okay, God, you have to give me this. Why won't you give me this? What's, what's wrong with you? Please help me, please help me, please help me. That's how we read it because of his friends. Okay, then, so what do we do? How do we get God to answer us? We better get bold. Right, church? We better be persistent. We better be banging on the door of heaven. So let's ask the crucial question, what awakens God and gets him out of bed? Metaphorical, but Jesus gave us the metaphor, so we'll take it. What awakens God and gets him out of bread, out of bed? Yeah, what gets him out of bread? <laughs> kind of works. It's a little punny there. Yeah. Why would he get up? Why is he going to give us something? How does this whole prayer thing work? How can you tap into heavenly resources that are more powerful than anything on earth? I was reading last night before I went to sleep. Ironically, I was praying last night at midnight, and it was some of the most frustrating prayers I've ever had. I couldn't sleep. And it wasn't because I took a nap. Or so you ever have that where you take a nap? You're like, I'm so tired, I'm going to take a nap. And then you pay for it later. You're laying awake in your bed. I was exhausted. My mind was racing and my prayer was, Lord, please, please just let me go to sleep. I got to get up at five. Please, please. You know, you're just like, what do I need to do to get you to answer me? 
And then I'm like in the next breath, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to be preaching on this tomorrow. And here I'm doing the very thing that I'm going to say not to do. How do we tap in? How can we get God get out of bed? Is there something lost in translation here? So let's talk about how even you said it. You answered exactly the way I would answer. Let's talk about our very Western approach to understanding this verse about shameless, bold. Here's how we think. Guy on the inside has said, no, doesn't want to be bothered. Don't bother me. So if you are shamelessly bold, what do you do? You knock anyway. You don't take no for an answer. You badger. You persist. You knock until he gets up. And even if he still says no, you keep knocking. He goes back to bed. You knock again. You knock again. And then God will maybe eventually give you what you need. So let's play it out in a prayer. God, I really need help. I know it's late. I know I don't deserve it. I know I've waited too long to ask. It's midnight, but please help. God says, don't bother me. I'm in my heavenly bed. All my other kids, the good ones, are with me, sleeping. They did it right. They came at seven. <laughs> We're all in here sleeping. I took off my robe and slippers. And I can't do it. The ones who did it right and were on time are sleeping here with me. You've come at the wrong time. You should have thought about this. I will not honor your lack of spiritual discipline, Chad, nor your faithless actions. Do better. No. Western interpretation. Okay, I just got to press in. Lord, please. I know I don't deserve it. How about grace? I've heard something about that. <laughs> can, you, can you give grace? So we, we just go. We say, I'm just going to be persistent. So when I think about, like, that's how we usually understand this. And that's if we just go with that and we go home. And it's not that there isn't a place for persistence. There's another parable that Jesus tells about a persistent widow. But this one is not about that. Now, whenever I heard somebody in seminary or in college, I was a Bible and theology major, say, well, that's not what that word means. I have many thoughts about them in my head <laughs> that don't come out in words out loud anyway. Many things of, of which I have to repent of. Actually, I remember being in seminary and I thought, hey, this is a place to ask questions. This is going to be great. I remember one time raising my hand and asking a question about something the professor was saying and the whole room looked at me like, you don't know that? That's the last time I asked a question. I hate that feeling. I hate it when anybody makes me feel little. And so the Bible's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to make you curious. And so whenever I have somebody who is kind and gentle and who doesn't flaunt their education, but I know they're smart. One guy was a guy named Gary Burge and he was a professor at Wheaton. And I love Gary Burge because he was so smart, <laughs> but he was so kind and he didn't make that big of a deal about it. And he would say, yeah, that is kind of how we, he would like, he would talk about this parable. He said, that is kind of how we've understood it, isn't it? We're just, we just got to be persistent. And, you know, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, that is, that's it. And he said, what if there's, what do you think? Maybe there's something else here. Now that says to me, is there, will you tell me? 
The other side of that is, that's not what that means. And I'll tell you what that means. You don't even know. That doesn't make me curious. That makes me not want to listen. But if, if somebody's inviting me in, I say, okay. So I want to do that this morning. I don't always do this. But sometimes there are things that can be maybe lost a little bit in translation. And our Western concept of shameless boldness might miss the bigger, broader meaning of what that means for somebody in the Middle East. And so the word for shameless can be also spoken as shamelessness. In the East, in the Middle East, shame and honor are huge, huge. They're not as much for us, but to bring shame on your name and on your character and on your family and on your town or your village is unthinkable. You can't do it. It's, it's the worst thing. You would be a pariah. You would be somebody that people, I cannot believe you did that. And so Here's the thing about this. And so Gary Burge actually got to spend time with this guy named Kenneth Bailey over in the Middle East. And Kenneth Bailey spent time with Bedouins in like guys in taking care of sheep and out and they had never been modernized. They just still lived off the land. He went out there and read to them these parables in the original languages. And he said the response that he heard from them the way they reacted to scenarios like this, he said they would be listening. They would be like, ah, no. Like, and he's like, what is happening? Nobody in church ever responds like this to these parables. And he figured out it was this shame honor thing. Shame and honor were huge. And so the word for that, we think it's the guy at the door knocking. Kenneth Bailey and Gary Burge passed this on to me in a kind way said that the word actually probably applies to the guy in bed. What? Because of his shameless boldness, he's laying there. He's like, oh, I'm in bed. I don't want to get up. My kids are sleeping. The door is locked. It's so hard to unlock that door. I hate that door. <laughs> and he says, but the honor of the village Fine, he'll get up because of his sense of shamelessness, his honor to uphold. He doesn't even like the guy at the door, but because he doesn't want to bring dishonor and shame on the village, he'll get up and he'll go and answer. So Jesus is saying, it's not badgering. It's not persistent and annoying knocking that gets God out of bed, but it's his own honor, his own character. He will get up because of who he is, not because you knock really, really, really loud or persistently. God doesn't sleep, obviously. We even have a verse in scripture that says he neither slumbers nor sleeps, but he's given us the metaphor because he wants you to think about waking him up to be who he is. He'll get up, not because you badger him, but because he's good, because he's a father, because he's a provider, because he loves you. Because when it comes to being God, he'll be God. He will act like God. It's a little different, isn't it? 
It's a different understanding. And some of you may be like, oh, I don't know. And I don't either. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different interpretation. But as I look at it, and what you have to do when you look at any story is you have to look at it in the context of the whole story. And what do we say? This is one story to lead you to Jesus. Does it fit with the character of God that he answers because of who he is and not because of what we do? Does that fit with him? Does that fit with other story, stories about who he is? While we were sinners, begging and pleading and maybe doing some right things, Christ died for us? No. While we were sinners, dead, he, he died for us. He came because of his great love. And so... Why will he answer the guy at the door? Because of his shameless boldness, his character. Now, don't mistake this for meaning that you shouldn't knock a lot. Okay, verse nine. So Jesus says, I say to you, knock away. Knock away over and over. Knock Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Let's read that again. So I say to you, parentheses, because of who God is, ask and it will be given to you. Because of who God is, seek and you will find. Because of his character, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, Receives and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And just in case we aren't getting it, he says, Let me put it in daddy kid terms for you. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Ha ha! What what dad is gonna do that? No way. Or asks for an egg and he's like, here's a scorpion instead. No. Good dads will give good gifts. He says, if you then who are evil, hey, offensive, Jesus. Eh. But he says it. <laughs> you who are evil, who need me, who need my love, need saving, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father, and get ready for a twist, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What? I thought we were talking about bread. Jesus loves to do this. He loves to do this. So do we truly have this kind of access to Jesus? This uh, summer uh, friend here, Joe Koo, uh, gave me the opportunity to go down and be a part of The Chosen. Uh, how many have seen The Chosen? Okay. So this is, and I grew out that and shaved it right away as soon as the filming was done. I hated it. Um, but this is us on our way, and that's actually uh, Braden Ziski right there behind me, because Brandon and his family so show the next picture. So Joe was gracious enough to let me come, and you guys recognize that guy? Former pastor Brandon. Yeah, this is family. So here we are, and I've watched The Chosen. I have felt this amazing just, oh, have you cried watching The Chosen? Anybody cried watching The Chosen? Anybody like, this is insane. This is so good. And so I'm going, I'm like, yes, I want to go see the, I want to go film for The Chosen. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And let me show you how far away I was from Jesus. Uh, this is my spot. And there, wait, nope. Yep, way, way. You see him? He's right there. If you could just squint your eyes. There he is. 
There he is. Jesus. It's me back here in the back. It was a hundred and something degrees. There were people passing out. They had medical tents and Dr. Joe Koo is a really good friend. Is, he's this weird. We're sitting there waiting to go film. He takes off. He comes back like an hour later. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I was going around to the medical tents. I was like, why? It's like, they've got it all set up. He goes, well, I just like to see what's going on. And I just feel like I'm, I, I have, I'm better than most of these doctors. And I, <laughs> I was like, you are so weird. He's like, this is fun. I like, I like going to Fleet Farm or something, looking at hunting stuff. He's like, I'm going to go check and see what's happening to people that are passing out. Oh yeah. He comes back like telling it like it's like he's been to a candy store. There's this one person laying out and it's like, wow. It's like, Joe, what's wrong with you? Anyway, we're sitting waiting. That's how hot it is. That's how difficult it is being there. And we finally get to that spot. I'm here at the chosen and I'm so far away from Jesus. I know it's not really Jesus, but you have this image, don't you? Same way Matthew McConaughey sitting on the edge of the lake and you're like, Airbnb, Upper Kanaskis Lake, Canadian Rockies. I want to go there, please. I want, I want to experience that. And so you go down and it was sweet being with Joe. It was sweet being with Brandon, his family. That was the good part. The filming, <laughs> it's so hard. It's so difficult. You're just a long, long hours. You'll never get to, and I'm sitting there and I was talking to Joe for a second. I was just sweating, sitting in the grass, all these annoying people around. <laughs> And I said, this is about right. This is about right. This is how, this is how far I feel from Jesus. And I was being a little tongue in cheek there, but at the same time, a little bit, I was praying later and I was like, Lord, why does it feel like that? Why does it feel like, do I have access to you or not? Do I have access to you? Jesus corrects me with this story. He says, oh yeah. I'm right there with you. I was sitting next to you, buddy. I was sitting next to you. Chad, ask, seek, knock. I'm here. When we pray, he is a God who gives as much as you need. As much as you need. What does he say? It's not just, hey, your heavenly father will also give you good things. He says, how much more? I'm going to challenge you this week, if you don't have anything you're doing in your chair time, spending time with Jesus, look up the different stories where Jesus says, how much more? There's several of them. How much more will your heavenly father? How much more? Because of his character. But he does what I said he did, which he flips this thing in that he, and so you know how we talked earlier about the advertising thing, that you look and you see this beautiful mountain vista and you're like, I want to do that. I want to be that guy who's ice fishing out there with Matthew McConaughey. Hey, Matthew, yeah, we're here. I want that. And so I'm going to buy the car for that. No. <laughs> Jesus does this. So the thing we thought we wanted and we bought the thing and then it didn't bring us the thing. Jesus turns the thing you think you want into the greater thing you need. And he says, yeah, we were talking about bread and we were talking about daily provision, but you know what you really need? The Holy Spirit. You need me. You need me. 
He says, ask me for good gifts. Ask me about those things that you're concerned about. There are things, so same thing in the daily prayer rhythm. Part of it, we get to the, get to the part of the Lord's Prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread. I used to think that was just about asking for food and daily stuff. But now I am asking for daily spiritual bread for my kids. Where'd that come from? Well, I think it was the Holy Spirit teaching me how to pray. As I went from, yeah, Lord, provide. And, and honestly, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Pleasant Valley. I'm praying that the Lord would continue to sustain us, both provisionally, like physically, but also spiritually. But then as I'm praying and I'm going through and asking for things, I'm like, well, I need bread. You're, you're bre you said you were bread. I need spiritual bread today, Lord. I want my kids, Maya, Caleb, and Abigail to sense that you are handing them spiritual bread today. And I want them to say, this is what I need. He is so good. He is all. So my prayers are riddled with that stuff now because God is turning the thing I think I want to ask for into how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit when you ask what we desire is to be found in Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't respond because you're annoying. I respond because I have loved you before you were even born. Everlasting love. I am love. I am goodness. I am kindness. I am provision. I'm bread. I'm life. So why can we boldly approach God and ask for these things? You ever know that verse in Hebrews? Boldly approach the throne of grace, meaning walk in, walk in. Hey, Lord, I'm here. It's me again. It's morning. I'm praying, Lord. It's, it's evening. I'm waking up in the middle of the night just to go to the bathroom. And on the way, I'm like, hey, Lord, what's up? It's late. How are you doing? But you know what's happening, actually? I'm waking up and I'm hearing songs which is when I know, like when worship songs are starting to just flood back in and, and things like, I know that God is speaking and he's singing over me when I sleep. And so waking up just in the middle of the night, I'm hearing his voice saying, I love you and I care for you and I'm with you and with your family. Lean in, lean in even more. He is interceding when you're sleeping. He is interceding for you right now, right now. How can we be bold? Why can we ask in this way? Because of who he is, but also because of Jesus. Jesus prays for you before you even form the sentence. Before you even recognize that you have a need. Like before I was praying for my kids to have spiritual food, Jesus had been praying that already. Perfectly interceding on my behalf, on your behalf. So he says, ask Seek, knock, loves to hear your voice, loves the sound of your knocking because he's already doing it. He's already praying. How much more? Midnight prayers. God wants to get up for you, wants to answer and not just to give you a little bit, to give you everything you need. So persist, let's persist. Be shamelessly bold because he is shamelessly bold. He is shamelessly bold. He will uphold his honor and his character. He's going to uphold his love for you. 
Because of his character, because of his love, he will answer the door no matter what time it is. Ask God to show up. You won't just get provision. You get God. You get him. He answers with himself. What a stunning truth. He won't just give us what we need, but he will give us the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for us as our worship team comes up. And so we've got a few moments here to respond. Maybe to pray for the first time for you. And I love this new phrase. I also stole it from Tyler State. And that guy's teaching me a lot. I feel like I know him. I feel like we should be friends. But that's how I am with almost anybody. I start reading. I'm like, I'm going to call them and say, hey, you want to hang out? And it's like, Chad, stop. Just read the book. But he says, pray what you can, not what you can't. Pray what you can, not what you can't. And so if you can't pray at 6 a.m. on Wednesday, pray at 10. If you can't pray for five minutes, pray for one. If you can't pray every day, pray two days out of the week. If you can't pray adoration, pray complaint. He can handle it. He can handle it. Start with complaint. The Bible's full of that. Pray what you can, not what you can't. Because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on the character of God who's in the house. And honestly, I think this is one of the things I love and providence of God showing up. And then we have God in his sovereignty, acting eternally and acting like all this stuff that we can't figure out, time, space, continuum, eternity. I don't even know how to do it. I think he's in that house I think he's laying there and I think he's fake sleeping. I think he's fake sleeping. And he's like, any moment, any moment, any moment. Knock, 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 Lord. Nope. Sorry. I'm in bed. I'm asleep. Grin on his face. He knows what he's going to do. But he draws us out, doesn't he? He draws us out and says, come on again. Again, I'm building something here, building something in your heart. Pray, pray. Lord, I can see your robe. I can see 10,000 times 10,000 angels ministering before you. I can see a heavenly city with views in the distance that I could not begin to describe. And it feels like I shouldn't even be allowed in this place, but I'm right next to you. I'm right next to you. What I pray for the people here this morning who think, oh, I'm not there. Would they hear your voice calling to them? Just ask me. <clears throat> Seek me. I will be found by you. Knock. I will open that door. I will open it. Lord, let your spirit untangle emotional and logical and things that we just feel don't fit our reasoning. Un untangle those wires for us, Lord. Soften our hearts. Open our mouths, Lord. 
Give us words, Lord. Let us recognize that you have preceded every prayer we would ever pray. You've already prayed it. It's perfect. It's been consistent. It's been persistent. It has been before time, before we were born, Lord, you were asking for things that are unfolding now in our lives. So would you use this just few moments that we have together to sing, sneak in the back door of our hearts, uh, grab hold, give us what we need and so much more. Amen.